Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. I'm Carol. And I'm David. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle is all about. David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And you know we love talking about sex and sexuality, sexual pleasure, communication, consent, respect, and relationships. And hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because... Well, great sex matters and we all deserve it. So do you ever wonder what the millennials are learning about in sex ed today? Within our hypersexualized digital world, they're exposed so much more than what the teachers really have to offer. On today's show, we're going to be talking about how we have to guide our kids through that murky water of online adult content to help them better understand their own bodies, sexual orientation, and the emotional requirements of sex. Mm, I feel this is going to be a super amazing show, but... Before we introduce our amazing guest, let's remind everybody about our Throws of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket because nobody ever wants to sleep in the wet spot. And squirt is hot until it's not. Yeah, we know all about that. And if you're fed up with sleeping in the wet spot or having to change the sheets every time you have sex, then you need one of our Throws of Passion Waterproof Blankets. It's 100% waterproof and leak-proof and it guarantees to keep your bed dry no matter how wet it gets. Just throw it down and get it on. Throws of Passion will protect any play space from messy massage oils, silicone lubes, or any other sexy wetness. And it takes away the worry so that you can have more fun. And the best thing is it's easy to clean up when you're done. Just throw it in the washer and dryer, and it comes out looking brand new. Now available in two sizes, jumbo and midsize, and you can order yours today on Amazon. Just search the words Throws of Passion. Great sex starts now. It sure does. And what a great show we're going to have because we're going to be talking all about sex and sex education with kids, with adults, with parents, that this is the sexy lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and we're so excited to introduce our amazing and super special guest today. Dr. Jillian Roberts is a child psychologist, author, professor, and mother. She's the author of the book, Kids, Sex, and Screens, Raising Strong, Resilient Children in a Sexually Digitalized Age, a book for parents seeking to help their preteens navigate our hypersexual world. Hmm. All right, let's get into the show. Dr. Jillian Roberts, Dr. Jillian, thanks so much for squeezing us into your busy schedule, and welcome to The Sexy Lifestyle. Thank you so much for having me on your program. So, Jillian, we, I found you um, because I was reading an article in the Toronto Star, and it was called How to Talk to Your Kids About Sex in the Digital Age, and I knew that the moment was right and the information that you were putting out there to make us have um, what I think is going to be a great episode today. Thank you. So why don't we start by, let's just summarize a little bit about what that article was all about. Sure. Um, One of the things that I've observed in my clinical practice is that sexual education looks differently now in the digital age um, than it did when I first started to practice. Um, When I first started to practice, the the going suggestion to parents was to have the computer in the kitchen, you know, connected to an Ethernet cable of some kind. So (laughs) I know so that everybody could see what was happening. Um, But that's changed. You know, there's Wi-Fi everywhere. And that family computer has shrunk to the size of an iPad or an iPhone and is often in the back pocket and can be, you know, accessed and information can be accessed absolutely anywhere. Um, And that meant that there was a great deal more um, accidental stumbling on to pornographic sites. And so what what I learned uh, as a a clinical psychologist is that we needed to help parents talk about sexuality way earlier than they expected so that their children have some kind of a context 
for when they when they do, because they are going to see uh, pornographic imagery at some point in their life, um, that they have a way of understanding that and making sense of that. So that was the you know the the nutshell of that article, and has been the passion that I've I've been working towards for the past five to seven years. And it's so relevant because um, it's so true that sexuality regardless of what controls you put out there, are available to anybody of any age. I mean, you know, on Facebook, on Instagram, you know, they monitor and they uh, censor all sexual images. But if I just go onto Google and I, I search any type of sexual position, there'll be naked pictures of everybody doing stuff up there. So what you're saying is absolutely right. It is, it is absolutely available out there. And, you know, the way we talk to our kids now has to be different than the way our mother talked to us when we were growing up. Carol and I are 56. We have kids from 17 to 27. And for sure, we're talking to our kids today different than my parents talked to me when I was growing up. Well, my parents didn't even talk to us when we were kids. We never even spoke about sex in our household. Yeah, it was don't do it. Well, not even. Just didn't talk about it. Period. Taboo subject. Right, right. You must know more than me, or I don't even know if it was embarrassing or what, but we just did not talk about sex in our household. So thank goodness that you are out there helping parents who didn't talk about sex when they were kids to be able to do that for their children growing up today. And Jillian, how do you think, how do you think that, or why do you think that shift needs to happen of how parents talk to their kids today? Well, it is, it's, exceedingly important and any kind of taboo or stigma or awkwardness or embarrassment that we have around sexuality we have to face that head on and throw it away um, to be able to protect our kids and and that is the number one message that i give to parents um it is it is it is negligent i would say in this day and age to not have these conversations with your child and if you don't establish yourself as the go-to person in your child's life for all manner of challenging conversations you know they're going to seek that information elsewhere and and you've lost that opportunity to establish your values your family's values your cultural values um, with your child you know they're going to be left to figuring it out on their own um, and that is, is absolutely um, what children uh, are saying to me. What was interesting for me um, was that yesterday, a very important um, article by Maury Attal um, from the University of Calgary was published. Um, I had the great honor this morning of doing 13 interviews for the CDC across the country from Newfoundland to BC to up in the Yukon about what this, um, what this study meant. Um, and what the study found was that um, an increase in sexting behaviors among children um, and teens um, was highly correlated with a great many psychological challenges, um, such as uh, substance abuse, uh, unprotected sex, internalizing behaviors like anxiety and depression. And so what has happened, I believe, is that we've had a whole generation of kids trying to figure it out on their own, um, while people like me and other people that work in this area have been playing catch up, you know, trying to create guidelines and best practices um, in the digital age, for the digital age, because it's completely different uh, than it was when I started to practice 20 years ago. And you know, what you say is so absolutely relevant and true. So our show, The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David, has been on the air um, probably a little bit more than two years now. And we always talk about the fact that people don't know what they don't know. And as parents, if we don't talk to our kids about sex and sexuality and relationships and consent and respect, and we'll get into that a little bit later in the show, how are they going to know anything? They don't know what they don't know. And I love also the fact that you talk about keeping the ongoing discussion with your children all the time versus having, when I grew up, what was the talk. You're sat down, you're told about the birds and the bees, and then there's no other discussion about that. Absolutely. It no longer can be a one-time sit-down. Um, it needs to happen very, very early in your child's life. Um, I, the very first book, uh, I've written nine uh, books. My very first book um, was for a preschooler. It was called Where Do Babies Come From? Our first talk about birth. And it was designed to help parents begin the conversation with the very young 
um, before that child goes to school and gets online and, and has influences from peers and that kind of thing. So I do believe that sexual education in kindergarten uh, is essential um, and, and that it continue and over time become more and more sophisticated and detailed. What you need to talk about with a very little one is, is very gentle, um, but over time, you can expand on, um, on that conversation. And because you started that conversation so early, what that does is it helps to dispel a great deal of awkwardness and stigma because it's become normalized in your home uh, to chat about these things. So I think that's incredibly important and you've made a, an incredibly important point. It can no longer be a one-time sit down, uh, pass a couple of books or pamphlets and there you go. It has to be much more detailed and sophisticated than that. And certainly not telling them that babies come from storks. No, no, no. And also making sure that you use the proper words for things, you know, like not to have, you know, cutesy words for any for any aspect of sexuality. Um, Using the real anatomy words that you're talking about? Yeah, anatomy words and, you know, maybe words for um, a sexual act. Um, um, You know, we need to we need to be very clear. What research has shown is that if kids don't have those proper words and something happens to them, Mm. um, that's negative. Mm -hmm. They don't have the ability to explain in a clear way to a teacher or social worker, whatever, what has happened. Mm -hmm. Um, So something like, you know, his boo boo touched my wee wee or whatever is not admissible in court. Right. Mm -hmm. So what what we what we need to do is make sure that we present sexuality in a healthy way, um, that we talk about body boundaries and consent in a healthy way um, so that we, you know, position our kids uh, to to not only have a good sexual life, um, but also to be safe sexually. And what's what's so interesting about what you just said is it transcends right to the parents. So we've had amazing, amazing um, sexperts and guests on our show, just like yourself. And uh, Dr. Jessica O'Reilly, um, who's a world-renowned sexologist, uh, she's a speaker, she's on had TED Talks, she goes out and talks to people who are have had children and don't realize that their clit is much bigger than just a button. And it's only because they've never asked, they never wanted to ask, and they've gone through their whole life. So, you know, parents need education as well in terms of how they need to talk to their children. Uh, absolutely. I, I you know if I can just even share my own lack of knowledge. Um, you know, I love The Handmaid's Tale. I love the meaning behind that show. And in a recent episode, they talked about clitoral reconstruction. I had never heard of it before. Hmm. I had no idea that a woman um, that had undergone um, female genital, gen, genital mutilation could actually get her clitoris back. I didn't realize that that was possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I began to read research studies uh, over the week, um, uh, studies in uh, medical journals for um, OBGYNs, um, and I had no idea that the clitoris is actually the tip of an iceberg. That um, and and what happens with cl- uh, with genital mutilation is only a tip of that iceberg is cut off, and you can actually reconstruct and get down to the rest of those nerve endings. Um, below the skin I had no idea so you know for someone like me that I feel is pretty well educated in this area there's always new things to learn and and new ways of understanding Um, and our I I, I, and it was interesting too because doctors had said it was impossible until this one uh, surgeon tried you know and so even I think doctors are learning surgeons are learning what is possible in the area of sexuality so yes we have to we have to sort of understand that we know very little still and and be curious and go out into the world seeking to better understand a very important part of our human lives. Right, and keep that those doors open so we can continue our learning. But one of the things that we've noticed and during our discussions and during our talks is that, of course, people have different views on what is pornography. Um, they think that what they see during these pornographic episodes is real and that they think that this is how sex happens and this is how yeah. sex should be. And so young people, without a discussion with their parents or with a peer that knows more, is just expecting that that's how I'm supposed to act during sex. And it's not even real world sex, but they don't really have anybody to tell them that what they're seeing on the screen during during this entertaining type of sexual activity is simply entertainment and not real world sex. 
It, well, abso- absolutely. And um, if I can give you an example, um, just to really make that point, underscore that point that, that happened to me in the last couple of years, um, was a school uh, was getting uh, children ready uh, for, and this, by the way, was a Christian school, uh, so a private Christian school, um, was getting ready for um, uh, an assembly where they would be singing Christmas carols. And the music teacher um, went uh, onto YouTube to find um, like a karaoke kind of um, video where the children could be seeing the words and hearing the tune to be practicing their carols. Um, but what he did was he came into, uh, he brought his own computer, his laptop, into the school, set it up, um, went uh, into history, tapped on the tube um, that he saw, um, and in front of the whole entire uh, student body, uh, popped uh <laughs> some kind of sex tube, uh-huh. some some kind of pornography. Right. Um, and he and he was absolutely mortified. Um, these elementary school children uh, had this exposure. Um, and he just stood there stunned. It took another teacher to come up and rip uh, the Ethernet or whatever the cables were out of the computer and out of the wall. Um, and I was called. Oh. And so so then I had to go into that school and I met uh, separately with girls and boys. Uh, to to talk about what they had seen um, and what it meant, and I was shocked uh, by by what I was hearing from the kids. Um, and one of the things that I had chosen to do um, at the beginning of this was to give all the children a blank piece of paper that they could anonymously write down a question, um, and then they could put that question into a box. And then I would be reading those questions out loud and answering those questions without making any child feel like they had to put up their hand to ask, um, so that they could really get to what they needed to know, but in a way that didn't embarrass them. Um, and what I, what the kinds of things that I heard was, you know, this is no big deal. Every time I play a multiplayer game, uh, this kind of stuff is on the borders of oh, the, uh, and we call that hyper sexting when you're playing something and there's like, you know, advertising on the borders of that screen that are just, you know, sexual games, sexual content um, advertised, um, which is often very explicit. Um, and so that shocked me that these little ones, because I had always been, you know, kind of expecting that it was kind of that that middle schooler um, that was, you know, accessing this content, but it was, you know, elementary schoolers that were accessing this content. So that was that was one kind of realization that I had. And then another realization that I had, which was heartbreaking and was um from from the girls because I divided the girls and boys, it was from the girls section, and uh, a number of the little girls asked, "Is that actually sex? Like, yeah. is that what sex is? Mm-hmm. Like, I have no idea, mm-hmm. right? Is what I saw, you know, what I'm I'm expected to do? Um, will it hurt? You know, do I have to be with two people? Like, mm-hmm. you know, does it have to go, you know, in my my bottom, mm-hmm. right? Like all of these things that they saw, um, and it was heartbreaking for me um, that that was basically their first. Uh, understanding yeah uh, and and what you see pornographically you know can be very shocking mm-hmm. um a lot of parents uh, especially mothers um that i've seen you know um admit to me that you know not only did they never have a conversation with their own mother um but they've never actually ever seen pornography mm-hmm. they have no idea mm-hmm. what images are in their children's minds mm-hmm. and you know it's been these kinds of conversations and experiences over time where i've realized that we have to do exponentially better than what we've done in the past uh, to prepare our children to understand sexuality and intimacy and human relationships in a much, much better way than we have in the past. And Jillian, you know, I'm going to bring up two points over here and I want you to talk to them because I think they're both very similar as, as to how parents deal with two situations that arise regularly. And that is walking into a child's room and seeing them watching pornography or walking mm-hmm. into a child's room and seeing them masturbating and you and know what the, about having sex with a partner even if they're a little bit older yeah th- same thing that's one thing but oh. we're talking about people who are just exploring sexuality okay, here mm-hmm. and you know as in the old days it was don't you ever watch porn again and don't masturbate it's going to fall off but in today's world don't you let, let's talk to the parents on on what the proper response would be if you catch your child doing one of those two things well number one you never shame your child you know it's important and you never respond in anger or disappointment or anything like that 
um, it's important that your child understands and realizes that their sexual self is a healthy part of, of themselves. It's a normal, healthy part of themselves. You know, we are biologically um, designed um, to be curious about sex and to want to procreate. Um, that is the way we've been built, designed, um, and trying to go against that uh, in any way, shape, or form can can create significant psychological damage on the part of the child. You know, what I would say is if you walk in on your child and they're watching something that you wish they hadn't seen, um, you give them a hug, you tell them it's okay, you tell them that you understand that when you're their age that you would have wanted to see that kind of a thing too, um, but that they need to realize that what they're seeing isn't isn't really um, the information that they're seeking, you know, like they're looking at that because they're curious you know, they have no idea what happens behind their parents' closed doors. You know, they, they have no idea. So they're, they're, they want to know, they want to understand. And this and these these videos for many kids are, are a kind of instructional video. Um, so so we need to honor where kids are coming from and then give them the best information that we can. Mm -hmm. I think that that's incredibly important. And how we respond in that moment um, we'll set the stage for whether our child will ever want to talk to us about this topic mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. So if you respond with shame, your child will never, ever, ever talk to you again. So I think that's incredibly important. Um, when it comes to masturbation, it's completely normal. Um, all medical experts understand and realize that it's completely normal. Um, but what we do need to do is talk to children about boundaries. So, you know, that that only can happen in the shower in your bed. You know, you'd never do that in front of someone else. You would never do it in another part of the house. You'd absolutely never do it in public um, because it's private. Um, so having conversations like that, but at the same time, you know, acknowledging that you're going to have sexual feelings and you're going to be curious about how your body works. Um, you know, I think it's not a bad idea for parents to buy like a little hand mirror um, so children can explore their bodies and understand what, you know, what is down there. Um, I think all of that is healthy. And I, you know, to be honest, I, I've been telling uh, the, uh, the, um, the young women that I see, you know, because I, I normally will see a child early on in their life and have an, a relationship with them over time. They come, you know, they weave in and out of my practice, you know, over a decade or so. But then eventually they do go off to university and um, and I say to parents, you know, buy them the joy of sex, you know, but more recently I've been saying, you know, get them a subscription to OMGS or mm -hmm. something online mm -hmm. um, so that they uh, that they can have some knowledge about themselves and their bodies. I think that's healthy. And I yeah. think that's setting, uh, you know, a good message for kids. And I think that uh, these days, most parents are thinking to themselves, am I being a good educator for my children. We don't really know what we're doing. We don't really have courses on how to be a good sex educator as a parent for our children. And just us talking right now, I mean, I don't really often bring our kids into it, but I can remember when uh, one of my sons was 10 years old and he was caught watching pornography, not in my home, but in um, in another home. And we were told that he was watching pornography. So I did have the talk with him that, hey, buddy, you're only 10 years old. You really shouldn't be watching pornography. But I really didn't have any other option for him. I didn't have that hug saying, hey, buddy, I get it that you're curious. All of those things that you're saying are great. And I love them. I love hearing this advice. But what do you say to those parents whose time has passed and they've already said the wrong thing? Do we go back and correct that? Do you Absolutely. think we bring that up again? Yep. Okay. Yeah, we okay. do. We have to we have to address this head on. And mm -hmm. um, I'm a big one for lots of different reasons um, and lots of different scenarios, um, encouraging parents to press that reset button, mm -hmm. you know, to to have a meeting, family meeting, a one on one and say, I didn't like how that went. I wish I had made that go differently. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm still learning as a parent too. Mm, great um, idea. Let's, let's press the reset button and talk about how we want to move forward what we want our relationship to look like and, and what it's going to look like um, when we talk about important things. Um, kids are, kids, kids are forgiving. They understand and, and they are going to respond with their authentic self. If we respond with our authentic self. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think it's, it's absolutely okay uh, to bring something up. If you feel as a parent in your heart that you were negligent or you didn't, you didn't frame it correctly. Um, absolutely bring it up again. Um, and there's, you know, I have to say, there's a wonderful um, sexual education program uh, that's uh, run um, through, I think, the Unitarian Church. And it's called, the program is called Our Whole Lives. 
And they do a beautiful job um, of talking about what sexuality looks like at every stage of our life, including old age. I think it, it's a beautiful program. Um, it's LGBTQ plus friendly. Um, it's wholesome. It's accurate. Uh, it's not squeamish. Um, and um, for families that have really no idea how to do this, and, and, you know, we look to Ontario right now, there's been a ban on sexual education, uh, you know, just absolutely negligent of that government. You know, it, it you know, it shows what happens when you have uneducated people leading uh, important topics. They have no idea. They're not informed. Um, they're not informed by research. They're not informed by practice. Uh, they're informed by emotion, um, which is uh you know, a faulty way of thinking about this, you know, so when parents are struggling with how, how do you educate your child, I would encourage you to, to look to what the community has to offer. Well, that's really great advice. Fantastic. So I have one last question before we take a break. And that is, what would you say to a child who walked in on their parents having sex? I would say, and, and to be honest, um, things similar to this is, have happened in my own life. Um, um, I would say, you know, I love your dad very much. And when we have a chance to be close, it's one of the most wonderful things that we have. And I'm, I'm sorry that that was awkward and embarrassing for you. But know um, that you came from love and this family is based on love. And this is how your dad and I show each other love. Do you, you, know? do you need just... to explain further about what that means? What if they have more questions? Uh, right if the then child the... asks, okay. you know, like I, you know, if ever a child asks for clarification, you answer as honestly as you can. Um, but but sometimes you don't need to go into tons of depth, to be honest. Um, and I and I would say one of the biggest challenges that I've had with parents is, you know, a child says, "Where do babies come from?" and they go on this great big ten minute discussion, <laughs> when really all 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 they wanted to know, oh, they come from a mother's womb. Right. That's really all they right. needed to know at three. <laughs> you know, they you, didn't need to know anymore. Do you if like, they if they follow up and say, well, how does the baby eat in there? Uh, how does yeah. the baby get out? Or how did the baby get in there? Then then you answer that question. But but really, you just answer the question hmm. the child asked. You know, you don't have to go into tons of depth. And so, when you can be succinct like that over time, it's less it's less off-putting to your child. If they come to a to you for a question. They're not expecting a dialogue. You know, they're expecting an honest and direct answer. And if they did walk in on you and you said that answer, which I thought was wonderful, do you give them a chance to digest it? And maybe the next day under at breakfast table or under different circumstances, do you say, do you have any questions about what you saw yesterday? Do you bring it back up again or let it just ride? Um, I, I would like, I mean, if your child seems open and curious, yes. But if your child is hiding in their in their bedroom out of embarrassment, maybe not. You know, it kind of it kind of depends on your child and, and what their personality is. I'm, I'm a big one on taking the lead from the child. And, you know, what I will advise to parents uh, in one family could differ from another family based on what, what I'm reading are the needs of that child. But you have to make sure you address it in some way. You don't want just to pretend like it never happened. And you wake up in the morning and have coffee and breakfast as, low it ne as though it never happened. Mm -hmm. You know, that's kind of like a gaslighting almost, mm -hmm, right? You, mm -hmm. you don't want to do that. Because what you're also um, messaging to the child, if you respond in that way, is that this is taboo. We don't talk about this. This is embarrassing. Right. You know, um, there's something wrong with what daddy and I were doing. You know, so, you know, you, you, you need to make sure that you don't uh, leave your child with that kind of an impression. Choosing to do nothing is a choice and it leads to its own risks. Perfect. Wow. Whoa, that was an amazing segment. Okay, we're going to uh, stop for a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about managing social media, pick sharing and all that stuff. And we're going to get into uh, Jillian's seven points of the parental compass. So this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. And today we're talking with child psychologist, Dr. Jillian Roberts. She's an author, professor and an amazing mother. And before we get into some great tips about uh, for parents on how to handle the challenges of talking to their kids about sex. We want to tell you about a new event happening at Hedonism 2 in Jamaica. You can join us at this inaugural event. It's called Miss Nude Showgirls and Pole Dance Stars. It's August 21st to 25th. There's going to be lots of sexy costume parties all week long, which will be hosted by the international Miss Nude semifinalists, who will then compete on the grand stage for the title by performing some exotic nude talent, sh talent events. That's August 24th, so come root for your favorite girls and bring your own exotic costumes and join in the party yourselves. That's at Hedonism 2 on the Grill Beach in Jamaica. 
So this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and today we're talking with child psychologist, Dr. Julian Roberts. And now we're going to get into some great advice for parents on how to handle the challenges of talking to their kids about sex. But first, Julian, I want you to take a minute and talk about the ins and outs of Facebook, Instagram, taking digital pictures, having them on your phone, sharing them, and all those things that kids always say, it's not going to happen to me. Absolutely. Um, One of the things that we know is that uh, sexting or exchanging um, provocative photos of each other uh, is part of the dating ritual in today's age. Um, If you believe that your child is not doing that or their friends aren't doing that, you're wrong. Um, It is it is happening absolutely everywhere. Uh, All manners of socioeconomic backgrounds, all all uh, different kinds of kids from different races. Um, It is happening and it's expected. Um, And I and and, and I believe, to be honest, that, you know, we've had a whole generation of kids trying to figure things out on their own. And and now we've got some consequences of that. Um, So I think we're, we're dealing with that right now. So I, I do believe um, that uh, exploring your sexuality online is a is a typical part of a typical teen's life, um, and and it can and it can create some some challenges, uh, some significant challenges, um, which has you know guided a great deal of the work that I've been doing over the last few years. So I'll give you a scenario. This is a very typical scenario. Um, uh, you know, you, you go to a party, you meet someone, you like them, and then later on in the evening, they request some kind of provocative photo. Um, you don't really want to send it. You're kind of like anxious and worried. What if your mom or dad sees it? Um, but you're also worried about losing your place in your social group. Um, everybody else is doing it. There's a tremendous amount of peer pressure. So you go ahead and do, you know, you take you take a picture of your body part and you, and you send it uh, to this person. Now, much of the time, that's going to be without risk, to be honest. You know, much of the time, there's many teens where that is 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 done compute, completely consensually and respectfully. Um, but the problem is, is that there are a, a great many times when the recipient of that photograph doesn't have the same intentions that you do. Uh, and they screenshot it and they send it to, you know, every other member of the hockey team or all the other kids at school. Uh, and I've had countless children, uh, teens, young teens, middle schoolers, you know, then walk into school the next morning uh, with, you know, everybody having seen their genitals and, you know, feeling incredibly mortified. I've had children gasp for air in my in my office out of mortification. Um, so I, I, I think we, we need to really understand uh, what the digital age has brought to our children um, and that we have a way of talking with them openly and honestly to make sure that these uh, situations are managed in the best way possible. And I'm going to expand on that a little bit, and we talk about it regularly on our shows. This doesn't only apply to children. This applies to teens, to tweens, to everybody, to adults. If you're going to take a picture of yourself in a naughty position, in a a naked position, in a compromising position, and you're going to have it on a device that's connected to the Internet, whether you're on what they say is the most secure dating site in the world or you put it somewhere else on a Google Drive or a OneDrive, there is a chance that it's going to get out somewhere you don't want it to be. So if you don't want a picture or something to ever be seen by anybody, do not put it on a connected device. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, like, and that, and for me, that's a hard boundary for kids. Um, you know, I, I will talk to them about, you know, flirt, flirtatious texts back and forth, um, uh, but then a hard line uh, around um, around sending a picture mm-hmm. um, and, and trying to coach kids a little bit how to use some humor um, to be able to respond to pressure in that way. You know, gee, I'm so glad you want to see me, but, you know, how about we, we give each other six months and see where we get? Or, you know what I mean? Like, like just, you know, indicate that you're there for a relationship. Um, so I, I think there's ways that we can help kids and, 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 and adults as well. You know, I have had also situations where um, there's been some kind of revenge uh, mm-hmm. situation Absolutely, where yeah. you've had a, you know, an office romance that has gone sour mm-hmm. and then photos are, are yeah. displayed. Yeah. In my own university, uh, to be honest, um, there was this this discussion. It, it happened before I actually came to the university, but there was like an, a revenge situation where someone printed out a whole bunch of pictures and put it around the faculty lounge. Oh, wow. So 
Wow. You know, people, people, yeah, it was before I, I got to campus, but it was still mm-hmm. talked about for mm-hmm. years after mm-hmm. um, that people, you know, when someone feels rejected sexually, um, a very dark shadow can come out in them. Um, and, you know, they can respond with a kind of meanness that you wouldn't typically see in a person right. because, you know, sexual rejection really hits a very primal place in a, a lot of people. So, you know, the, the the nicest person can can turn to a shadowy person mm-hmm. um, uh, with that with with a certain kind of scenario unfolding around them. And I certainly think that I don't know if it's everybody is so hypersexualized today that even seeing uh, whether you call it a dick pic or anything else that. Um, Yes, it's unwanted. It's for sure. Anytime you get something or any information into your inbox that you were not expecting or you didn't ask for, it's certainly an offense. But hopefully that people will see that, you know, it is a normal body part, whether you have a knee, an elbow, uh, a face, uh, a belly button, you know, you could if you do want to show your your genitals, it's still a normal body part. You should not be so mortified that you're so shameful about it. It's still a natural body part. So I'm hoping that there's a balance between, hey, don't do it, but don't want to kill yourself if someone else shows your natural body part. Everybody has one, you know? As I'm just... Right. And and so for me, I often will take that approach if something has already happened. Right. 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 Like if, if, you know, like I would, you know, try desperately to prevent something from happening. Right. But if I'm in a situation where something has already happened and then the child is brought in to see me um, or the parents come in to see me, you know, I would say something uh, to the parent like, you know, wow, you're beautiful. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful body. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. Like, I-, I had no idea you were so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yes, it's embarrassing. But you know what? You can feel proud of your beautiful body. You, you know, go. like something that just takes the sting away for right. the child. Right. Um, uh, or or even, you know, say, you know what? This, ha- this has happened to lots of different you know, kids of parents, I know, it's mortifying, it's horrible. You know, I, I feel for you. Um, you know, but really, uh, it's a normal part of life. Let's stand up, brush ourselves off and, and, and keep on going. And what can we learn from this experience? Um, Absolutely. And, you, you know, know we, um, yeah, we see it on a daily basis where people take images of Carol and create profiles on dating sites all over the world. Right, and, they and, steal and, my photos off of uh, social media and, so if and you pretend be- to if, be me. If you believe out there that people aren't doing it, they do it. It's easy to get the pictures. We have things under lock and key controlled um, in the places it's supposed to be. But like you said, Jillian, people screen capture, they take it, they put another image up, and there's got to be hundreds of profiles out there that use Carol's pictures I don't quite know why. None of them are nude, just so you know. It's right. not they're not well, even explicit. But I, I mean it, it, yes. it must be because you're you're beautiful. Thank you, honey. You're, Thank you very much. <laughs> you're, you're helping their message in some way, right? Yeah, but, I guess, you know, yes. but, but that's but that doesn't make it the, that that transgression mm-hmm, feel okay. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The point is here if you don't want something out there, just don't put it on a connected device. And tell the kids, don't do it. Just don't do it. Like you said. Yeah, be, just like for me, it's a hard line. Right, yeah. exactly. Be flirtatious yeah, it, as much as you want. Use your words, um, tease, whatever it is, but don't take photos of your genitals, period, over and out. No, and and if, if there's a parent listening, you know, come up with your with your child with some, some cute comebacks, you know, that uh, allow them to use a little bit of humor uh, in terms of how, uh, how they would they would respond uh, to someone. You know, it's funny, I remember it's a whole different kind of scenario, but um, I remember going off to university and my sister-in-law, I'm the youngest of six children, so my, my, my oldest brother's wife at the time uh, was, was a bit of a mentor. And she gave me some cute little comebacks um, should someone come on to me when I'm at university or at a university party or at a pub, mm-hmm. you know, how I can disentangle myself mm-hmm. from a situation politely um, with a joke. And I have to tell you, those came in handy. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm also, you know, trying to pay that kind of wisdom forward to the children that I see. Is there a cute way that you can say no, thank you, um, that doesn't tear at the ego of the person right. that is requesting that information? Yeah. And you certainly don't um, want to create any revenge scene or anybody mad at you if they're suggesting that you you know supply some type of photo you don't you want to trust them and so just don't do it and just a hard yeah just don't 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 do do it it. yeah yeah you know I I say to kids you know say say something like I really like you and I'd really love to explore a relationship with you you know I'm, I'm just not at the point yet where you know I feel comfortable with that but but that doesn't mean I don't want to get to know you. Right. Right. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Like something, something like that. You know, yeah. I we do it all the time. The right we, we live in the world of sexuality. We have hundreds of 
demands, not demands, but request a day for naked pictures or topless pictures of Carol. And we kindly just say, decline. We, just say, say we don't do that. We don't do We that. don't share pics with people we don't know. That's what we say. Yeah. And that's yeah. it. Perfect. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, perfect. And I think, you know, um, uh, even to have this conversation around your own dinner table, you know, with your own children, you, you might, I, I have no idea, you have six children, you mm-hmm. might soon have grandchildren, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> but to have these conversations um, around the dinner table or, oh, man, this is what came to, into me today. And this is how I responded to it. Yeah. I think that can be helpful for kids. Absolutely. Yeah, I really don't think David's dad should choke on something when I say, yeah, someone went to buy my stinky panties. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I don't think that's conversation <laughs> yeah. at the dinner table. But you know what I mean? It's very funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. L- yeah, yeah. Let's move on. But, from, let's... You know, just what's the world coming to? You know, <laughs> right, <absolutely>. exactly. <laughs> let's Let's move on. So Jillian, you've developed a guide for parents called the seven points of the parental compass. And so let's just review some of these points and we can talk about how this is helping the parents to talk to their kids about sex. And your very first one is start early. Absolutely. Um, I created uh, the parental compass after, you know, many, many, many years of of clinical practice and having, you know, read absolutely everything I could read uh, in in my field, uh, you know, empirical, peer-reviewed articles. And I realized that even for someone like me, it's hard to curate that information. It's hard to synthesize it and make sense of it and use it somehow in a a practical way. And so what I did is I, I thought about the different psychological models that I actually use in practice and what was it about them that were helpful. And from that experience, I created the parental compass and it was designed not to be a bunch of uh, to do's and not to do's. It wasn't rule based like this is right or that is wrong um, because you can't create rules for an ever changing situation. You know, we have no idea uh, what the next five years are going to bring in terms of technology. Um, so, you know, you can't predict what is going to be right and wrong uh, over time. You know, that old adage of keep that computer in the kitchen is no longer relevant. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we need to make sure that what we're advising parents um, can be nimble and can change according to different uh, situations. So that came, that led me to a compass, you know, this idea that we're navigating uncharted territory uh, and we need some values, some things uh, to guide us. Um, so the very first point on the compass is start early. And that means you talk about your children, uh, talk to your children about important topics like sexuality as early as you possibly can, um, that you don't deny or avoid or procrastinate uh, in any way, shape or form, but that you begin uh, that, you know, ongoing conversation, that ongoing talk over years of development, but you start that early. The benefit of doing that is that it makes it easier uh, for the child. It takes the way embarrassment for the child. You know, children are incredibly uh, awkward, embarrassed when their body is changing. Um, and that is that tends to be, uh, according to the old wisdom, when you would start talking to children, you know, just at the at the onset of puberty. It's not the right time in my in my view. You know, if you start earlier and you have more and more conversations over time, that sets you up as the go-to person in your child's life um, and sets your child up um, for success. Yeah, for sure. And it certainly makes sense to do that. And I know your number two, which is give unconditional love, is so important because of that embarrassment surrounding any sexual topic. Right. And and unconditional love is really um, is the value behind the idea of never shame your child. You know, um, if you if you catch your child stumbling onto pornography or masturbating or, you know, what I've, I've seen more and more um, is, um, you know, perhaps exploring LGBTQ plus uh, feelings um, that, that you must never in any way, shape or form message your child that that's not okay, that somehow your love for them is conditional upon them uh, living life in a certain way. You know, we must absolutely um, um, show them unconditional love about this topic and no matter what they've done in the past, um, that you move forward in a place of unconditional love. Absolutely. And when you talk about the third point, which is staying current, I know that you have an article that you are going to be releasing very shortly that you need to talk to your eight-year-old about pornography, like right now. That's what you. Right. Do, that's what you mean about staying current, right? Well, staying current and then also being aware of the influences in your child's life. Um, you know, for example, when Snapchat uh, came uh, on the market, 
for me, it created a significant repercussion um, because there was this idea that you could send a photo and it would dissolve, right? Mm -hmm. Like it couldn't Mm -hmm. be captured. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was kind of a safe way of sexting. Um, But then, you know, kids got very smart about taking a screenshot and then, you know, Snapchat then would tell the viewer, oh, someone took a screenshot. Um, But then kids got even more savvy and would take, you know, one one kid's iPhone would take a picture of the other kid's iPhone um, when when an image was on on it. So, you know, Snapchat for me um, created some some, you know, misunderstandings um, and false safety around sexting, um, which I think has contributed, I think, to the epidemic that we're we're, like incredible uh, sexting that we're seeing among teens now. And that leads right into your number four point, which is set smart boundaries. Absolutely. Um, And in Kids, Sex and Screen, I talk about the different levels of boundaries in terms of personal boundaries, the boundaries you have in the home, um, uh, you know, not walking in on someone when they're changing or in the washroom, for example, then the boundaries that you would have in the community and then the boundaries that you have online. And one of the things that I, I tell children is that, you know, integrity matters when nobody is looking. You know, if you want to be kind to someone in real life, you want to be kind to someone online, you know, which means not sharing or reposting uh, or laughing at, um, you know, some kind of image that is being shared around. And I've had many kids, and, and I mean many kids, that have thought it was hilarious and ended up forwarding a naked picture of another kid. Yeah. And then those kids being hauled into the police station under, you know, p- child pornography charges. Wow. So it, 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 it can really mess up a child's life, too, um, to have some, some kind of a significant um, criminal charge that early on in their life. And something as small as a mean comment could be equally as detrimental to the person who posted something innocently, and then you've got a mean shaming comment. Um, you know, comment that just turns yeah, it around. I, well, yeah, and and you know, I think we need to to you know really strengthen our sense of what community means um, and what caring for one another means. Even if we don't like a classmate, you know, if they post online that they have suicidal thoughts, um, you know, don't like it, no. don't share it, no. mm-hmm. you know, don't mm-hmm. don't you know don't laugh at it, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. I think these these are we need to teach our children what it means to be a good person in the digital age. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I guess that feeds right into your fifth point, which is nurture relationships. Absolutely. And and I mean that in, in, a, in a number of ways. I mean, nurture your relationship with your child, but also nurture the real life relationships in your child's life. You know, I have lots and lots of kids that are really only socializing on multiplayer games or on social media. You know, they're not in the park. They're not playing, you know, rugby. They're not playing a game of tennis. They're not going to the beach. Um, they're locked in their room online. And I, I can't see how that is healthy in any way. And one of the challenges that I have um, with pornography, and I'm, I'm very clear when I when I speak to groups of parents, is I think sexuality is healthy. This isn't that I think sexuality is bad, but I think the way that pornography portrays sexuality mm-hmm. can be very misleading and damaging mm-hmm. to kids. Mm-hmm. And one of the big challenges that I have is the lack of intimacy, the lack of consent that is negotiated. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it can, it's you know, it's it's fantasy on on uh, online. It's fantasy mm-hmm. and, and and digital imagery. It's not reality. Um, and and if you have spent your teenage years not actually interacting with someone else in person, it can make intimacy and consent and all those things even more difficult to navigate. Yeah. And to initiate because you don't even know how because there's no foreplay right, or anything right. that happens in pornography. Right. And, th- and there's also no risk, right? right? Like there is a risk for someone walking across a room and asking someone to dance. Mm-hmm. That's, that's risky. Mm-hmm. That person mm-hmm. can reject you. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're online, there's no, there's no rejection, right. really. Like, right. I mean, you know, someone might swipe left or swipe right or whatever, um, but it's not the same kind of stinging rejection that you would get in, in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so making sure that people, young people are able to manage rejection, um, because not all people are suited to another person. It's a very particular individual choice. You know, when I see my friends that have had marriages that have lasted 20 plus years, sometimes you can see why they connect and sometimes you can't. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's a very personal and individual thing what draws people together. And there's going to be lots of people that aren't going to be attracted to even the most beautiful of person. You know, there's lots of things that play into attraction for human beings. Yeah, for sure. And so number six is lose stigma and prejudice. Absolutely. We have to absolutely 
um, avoid, let go of any stigma that we have around talking about sexuality with our children. Um, And we also need to be very, very careful um, that when we are discussing anything about LGBTQ, you know, uh, trans bathrooms, pride parades, um, that we don't do that in any way that um, uh, marginalizes people in that community. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had children who have ended up coming out um, and feeling rejection from their parents and then never speaking to their parents. You know, again, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping to, with some of these children, to get to a place of reconciliation. Um, but when they feel rejected for being their true self, it can it can absolutely damage the family. So h- helping parents um, understand that sexuality in today's age is different um, than when they were growing up, that people make different sexual choices. Um, there's a great deal more freedom in, in expressing your true self and, and being open and okay with that. You know, really at the end of the day, you want your child to be loved and to love someone else. Um, and if they find that no matter how, you know, that's something to be celebrated. Certainly. And one thing that, I mean, I just had this discussion um, probably two weeks ago, and it is about the era of sexual fluidity in the LGBTQ plus um, environment. And nothing has to be forever. People, yeah, people, yeah, like I, yeah, change, yeah, right. If, if you're, if you, if you like, uh, if you're male and you like a girl today and you decide you like a male tomorrow or you want to be into the kink community or you want to be into the swinging community, nothing is forever. You can change. And, you know, you, you were talking about, okay, so someone came out and they're homosexual. Well, maybe in two or three years, they might decide, well, I want to be bisexual and it's all good. It's what's good for you in your world. Yeah, absolutely. What, what I have seen, um, uh, quite a lot of is, is a child identifying, um, as the other gender, um, and then realizing that, you know, they don't really want to change their gender. They, they want to be with the same sex partner. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's uh, like that has been something um, that, that I've seen a great deal of. And, and I've had kids tell me that they thought, you know, that if, if they if they changed genders and they weren't homosexual then, you know, because they're, they're actually in the wrong gender, right. um, that their parents would, would find that easier than them being with a same-sex partner. That's because you know? they don't have all the information in front right. of them. They're, no. hard, they're having these decisions, uh, adult decisions at a young age and not really understanding all the ramifications. They don't know right. what they don't know. Right, right. exactly. That. Yeah, and if parents are in any way resistant uh, to having those conversations, um, then, you know, you put your child into an even more dark and murky place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. And the last point on your compass is build resilience. And I love that. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to what we were talking about. You know, should something happen? And I think we can expect that it's something at some point point is going to happen to, to some, some person, almost every person, you know, whether it's being solicited online being bullied online, you know, your example of someone stealing a photo and um, and putting that online uh, to someone sharing something you sent in private to other people. Like there's many, many different examples of how something can go wrong and can be devastating for the person involved. So we need to make sure that kids don't feel like they have to change schools, move out of the city, you know, um, seclude themselves in shame and embarrassment, um, that there's a way that we can strengthen that child, the core of that child, um, and allow them to move forward with grace and dignity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And certainly um, not making a big deal of it or as a big deal of it, uh, would, it helps that. So being in control and knowing that resilience is a very good way of living, that you'll need to build that with your child together. And absolutely. And, and what research tells us is that every single human being has the ability to be resilient. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know, you're born with a resilient gene and mm-hmm. some people have it and some people don't. Mm-hmm. Everybody can be resilient. Um, so fostering that inside of your child um, helps them survive and thrive in, in this new era. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, every point of uh, the parental compass is in and of itself designed to foster resilience. Wow, absolutely. Now, a whole lot of parents who are listening out there who really don't want to talk to their kids about sex, they might say, well, that's such a difficult situation. I don't picture that happening now. We haven't done it before. How could I all of a sudden bring it up? Oh, the kids, they're getting their sex education at school. Let's just just let the teachers do their job. Is that a good I think that's negligent. To be honest, I think that's negligent in this day and age. Um, and and also when you when you give somebody else the power, you lose that ability to establish your own values, um, your own cultural values with your child. 
you're, you're letting somebody else uh, do that um, and, and basically frame the way that your child is understanding sexuality. So you're missing an opportunity there, um, but you're also missing the opportunity to establish yourself as the go-to person uh, in your child's life so that over time um, you, you feel comfortable asking or your child feels comfortable asking questions to you. Um, like for, for me, you know, what was interesting um, was um, having had, uh, you know, we have three children um, and one was born uh, vaginally, one was born by C-section and we adopted our third. And I had a very traumatic birth with my first uh, child. Um, um, and so it was, you know, that's a different kind of sexuality, a different, you know, consequence of sexuality. But it was incredibly helpful to me that I could ask my mother questions mm -hmm. about caring for my mm -hmm. body. You know, mm -hmm. my mother had had six babies. Mm -hmm. You know, my grandmother was a midwife. You know, I could ask those questions, ask questions about nursing. But I knew lots and lots of girlfriends that could never ask their right. mother. They asked the public health nurse right. um, because they felt awkward talking to their own mother about something as as you know, natural and beautiful as, as birthing a child. Right. And we have a great system here in Montreal where we live and we have a CLSC system where they come into your home the day after you're home with your baby for the first time and they make sure that everything is going well. So they're the type of nurse. So if you don't have a mother, you can ask or a neighbor or friend, they are there to make sure that you have all the resources necessary to be sure that you feel right and the baby's healthy and all of those things. So I get it. That's great. Yeah, and genital care, like mm -hmm, you know, that's mm -hmm. that's another you things. know another yep. thing that I I observed is how 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 do you take care of a baby's genitals? Mm -hmm. You know, what are the questions? You know, lab, labial adhesions mm -hmm. is quite common in some children, and you know, being able to ask questions mm -hmm. about how to take care of your your baby's genitals, even some people are even embarrassed to ask their doctor or nurse yeah, about that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know mm -hmm. that we're on the topic of sex education and how it has changed over time. And we're saying, well, maybe the teachers should do their job. I get it. But there are some things that parents don't know how to discuss with their kids because we don't have a, a you know, a handbook that says how to be the best parents when it comes to sex education. And I, I know for myself in the last five years, I learned about the clitoris, the size of the clitoris, the function of the clitoris, and that it's an internal organ. It's not just the head of the clitoris, as we all thought. Right. And but how to have good sexual pleasure in general. Right. And so today's right. day and age, we want to make sure that the schools are teaching about sexual pleasure, not just sex for procreation. And right. I don't know if they are or aren't in all areas, but we certainly should jump in and make sure that our kids know. As that a parent as a parent that there is a sexual pleasure aspect of sex that they have to know exists otherwise they're not going to they're not going to know that well and and i would say in particular for for young girls um because um if, if i see a lack of understanding it's often with young girls in their bodies um but but i am a big proponent of um some wonderful books like the joy of sex and omgs uh, and, and I think that if you have a child and they're going off to college or university, you should pack that along with them. You should you should wrap that up and give it to them when they go off to university. Mm -hmm. And it, to be to be funny, I, I was talking to, you know, I've got one daughter just finished first year university. And I was joking with her one day um, that, you know, I need to I need to send you to school with this because, you know, it's normal that you're going to go off to university and and explore yourself. And she laughed out loud at the dinner table and said, Mom, that book's been on your your bookshelf since I was three. <laughs> so, <laughs> She's read it I already. It. I've read it back and forth a billion times. <laughs> That's Mom. so good. I love that. <laughs> so, what a great answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So but but being able to to be open um, with your children and, and to talk to them. And you're quite right. I, I don't know of very many school curriculums at all that take pleasure uh, in, into place or into consideration. What I see is a lot of talk about safe sex, right. keeping yourself healthy, unplanned pregnancies, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff, but not a lot about how you can actually explore your sexuality as a medium of, bring, of being closer with your partner. Yeah, you and know? having joy yeah. in your life because sexual Absolutely. pleasure is about bringing joy to yourself and loving yourself and getting to know yourself and being intimate and with yourself. Right. And it's it's a kind of glue, I, I mm -hmm. believe, for, for, for partners, you mm -hmm. know, and I think you can get through a lot of challenges uh, in a marriage. I, I've been married almost 30 years. You know, you can get through a lot of challenges in a marriage um, when, when you've got that that passion and that glue that that keeps you together. Absolutely. Fantastic. All right. You know what, Jillian, we are going to ask you to hang on for a second. Uh, we're out of our first hour, but we're going to go do a part two. So we're going to ask everybody to just hang on for a second. 
We're going to save this episode. We're going to switch over to um, The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David Part 2 with Dr. Jillian Roberts. We're going to get into our Great Sex Matters segment. We're going to talk about respect, consent, a little bit about the Me Too movement, um, the show on Netflix called Sex Education. So just hang on. We'll be right back. Um, We'll remind you that this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and we're talking with child psychologist Dr. Jillian Roberts. She's an author, professor, and amazing mother and we've been talking all about sex education for kids and like i said next up is our favorite segment which is great sex matters stay tuned we'll be right back with part two thank you for joining carol and david for this week's edition of the sexy lifestyle we've got another one lined up next tuesday at 3 p.m pacific time 6 p.m eastern time on the sexy lifestyle network the weekend is just around the corner so try something new spice it up and you just might have the best sex ever When the lights are off, that's no reason not to light things up. Lube Light lets you pop its cap for instant illumination so your lube gets applied to all the sweet spots and never the awkward ones. No more slippery midsection, unless you're into that. You can keep it turned on while you're getting down with your partner. Our ambient lighting is soft enough to never blind while you're doing the grind. No matter what lube gets you vibing, it's compatible with Lube Light. Easier to turn on than your last partner, guaranteed. Get yours today at lubelights.com. Also available on Amazon and SheVibe. Maximize your orgasms and just let go. The Throes of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket guarantees to keep your sheets dry, no matter how wet it gets. From massage oils to lubes and beyond, we've got your bed covered. So just throw it down and get it on and get lost in your very own Throes of Passion. Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the Stay Dry Barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. It's machine washable, large enough to cover a king-size bed, and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own Throes of Passion waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now. 